You're listening to episode 78 with Karen DeBaker, Communications and Marketing Manager at Clean Water Services. This episode is brought to you by MasterMeter. Hi, this is Duke Greenhill, Chair of Advertising and Graphic Design at SCAD. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of branding and storytelling in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipman. If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at MasterMeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication, and our partner MasterMeter is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart water metering solution is right for you, visit MasterMeter.com. As usual, WefTech uh, 2019 was a blur. It was amazing and crazy, and even more so because I was flying solo since Ariane had to go home, wasn't feeling well. Um, but I'm so glad that I got to catch up with Karen. We were so lucky to get to present with her at the PNCWA conference, and I was super stoked to be able to go to the to a little bit of the communication camp that they had uh, at the beginning of WefTech. So really fun to talk with a fellow communicator, you know, just kind of validating all of those things that we keep on repeating to our own audiences over and over again. You know, you don't have to have anything related to communication or outreach or engagement in your title or your job description to be a communicator. It's important for every single person that engages with people ever in any form or fashion to learn these things. Um, So some of the things that we talk about is that, you know, we have to be communicating early and often so that we people keep people engaged and that's whether it's good news or bad news Uh, and if it's bad news we need to communicate more than we would with the good news because a more informed citizenry can often result in more support down the road and you don't have to have every single answer before you communicate it's okay to say what you do have what you do know and what you're working on and you'll come back but The most exciting thing that I was so pumped to talk to Karen about is that she and I are both super nerds about the lizard brain or the amygdala. Amygdala. So this is the part of your brain that's on a subconscious level that actually takes, um, that is actually running about 90% of, of your brain. And so pretty scary to think that that little guy is in control. And so that's why it's so important to understand that is what makes people tick and how we need to use that when we're creating the messages for our audiences. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans first and we're not thinking machines that feel, we are feeling machines that think. Karen serves as communications and marketing manager for Clean Water Services, the water resources management utility serving more than 600,000 residents of Oregon's Tualatin River watershed in the Portland metro area. Karen joined Clean Water Services in 2000 and she has led the district's marketing, communication, and public education program since 2007. Karen is also chair of the Pacific Northwest Clean Water Association's Leadership Development Committee and past chair of the Communication and Outreach Committee. She developed 11 public communications camp workshops for Oregon, Washington, and Idaho and formerly served as chair of the Water Environment Federation's World Water Monitoring Day subcommittee. Prior to joining Clean Water Services, she was a publicist for book publishing companies in Portland, Oregon, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. So without further ado, let's get to the show. 
All right, so I am super excited to be here with Karen DeBaker, who is the Communications and Marketing Manager at Clean Water Services in Portland, Oregon. Um, I was so excited to get to meet her through our work with PNCWA, and even more excited, we got to present with her at the PNCWA conference this year. Uh, we did a 30, uh, 30 Ideas in 30 Minutes presentation together, and it was it was so much fun to get to, to pool our, our brain share, our list of ideas together. And so I'm super excited that you took some time out to chat with us today. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, again, this is a little, this this one's going to be a little awkward for me too, because like Arianne's not here, so it's not a duo coming at you with the questions. But um, so bear with me if I, if I uh, am weird. <laughs> Um, she's here in spirit. She's here in spirit. Yeah. So you and wow, like an, an A team of communicators just put on this amazing full day workshop, uh, communications camp at WefTech on, wow. What day is it? Was that Sunday? Sunday. (laughs) On Sunday. And so, um, I know that you do something similar with PNCWA as well, but, um, I wanted you to kind of run through because if you guys do this again, and you're like, God, I don't even want to think about doing it again at this point. But if you guys do it again, like, I want to kind of give it, um, like, let's hype it up. Like, I want to fill a, fill a ballroom next time because the quality of the content that you guys put together was just amazing. You had an A-list, uh, an A-list run-up. So why don't you kind of tell us uh, who all you had with you and um, maybe some of, like, the biggest highlights from that for you. Well, great. And I'll start off by saying, too, that you and Arian will be there next time. It was, if we could have had a whole uh, even longer day, that would have been quite, 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 quite the opportunity, and that'll come up in the future. So, no, it was a great, it was a great honor. Um, Like I said, I, it was a learning day, not only for the, as I say, the budding neuromarketers in the audience, (laughs) but for, um, we all learned from each other, and it was um, quite an honor to be in the room with all of those great water communicators. It was a great day, yes, the communications camp is based off of um, a communications camp that we run for our our regional, like I said, WEF is the mothership, but our regional (laughs) Pacific Northwest Clean Water Association in in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. So um, this was the, these were the communicators on a national scale and we always try and this is what we did at the camp to have um, communications from crisis communications to strategic communications social media planning um, we like to do case studies and that was the case with the community engagement program mm-hmm. uh, open lands and space to grow and our two speakers Kenneth Varner and Danielle Russell and we do uh, we try to get research in there um, as well as uh, storytelling and branding and yeah um, you guys had it all we had it all and, yeah. and improving listening skills and trying to teach folks that um, you don't have to have a communications or engagement or community in your title mm-hmm. in order to be a communicator so um, that was one of the things that uh, we're very excited to have operators and engineers, project managers and then those that do have communications in their title too yeah. we're all communicators and like I said in my presentation, we're humans first. Yes. We're employees and ratepayers second. So. Yes. I'm so glad you made the point of just because you don't have communication in your title, your job description does not mean that you are not a communicator. I mean, we're all communicating with people every day. Mm-hmm. And so we all need to kind of invest in honing in on those those skills and going to things like your communication camp are 
you may not be the one that's in charge of branding the utility, but you need to understand it because you're hopefully going to be an ambassador for your brand. And so when your comms and marketing folks come in and say, talk, start talking about branding, if you have that understanding of it, you know what they're talking about and you can be a better ambassador for your organization. So exactly. I'm glad to know that there were... You did kind of a round robin type thing in the beginning where everyone kind of said who they were and what their role was. Um, and so it was really, I loved hearing that there were all these non-traditional communicators mm -hmm. that were in the room because that's so important for, um, as we kind of spread this revolution of better communication. So mm -hmm. I was glad to see that. Um, so unfortunately, I only got to see the very beginning of the day because hashtag startup had to... Uh, <laughs> got swept away in, in, in other business, but uh, I was I was so excited to be able to at least get to see the very first piece, which we'll get into in a second, but um, can you kind of talk more about the, the case studies with the, the community engagement piece? Like kind of what was the thing that stood out to you the most, your biggest takeaway from their presentations? It, it was an example of facilitation and community engagement at working through the kids, mm. working through the kids to get community involvement. And what Kenneth Varner and Danielle Russell talked about from Open Lands and the Space to Go program, uh, respectively, is that they were looking at how you can work with neighborhoods through the schools. Um, it was what basically they do is they go in and they retrofit. They work with the community, they work with the school to retrofit basically a school playground, create stormwater detention, uh, low impact development facilities. Um, and what that does in turn is not only teach the kids and then they work through the schools, the teachers um, incorporate into the curriculum and then it teaches the parents and then basically the neighborhood on the importance of uh, pollution prevention mm. and stormwater practices. And in turn, they have community gardens so they have food they food that they harvest and then they use in the schools and the cafeteria um, and it creates safe places to play so it's the bringing in all of the facets of water and uh, infrastructure and pipes pumps and um, all of that important stuff that it basically takes to run a community and ingrain it and have a, it's a it's a ribbon that can then run through the community as far as um how to protect it through water infrastructure um, they did a great job that was it was it was fascinating to listen to them um yeah. it was also very fascinating to hear how they work with the parents and the community um and how they actually will have some adversity as far as um what are you doing to this area what's it going to do to my rates mm -hmm. so are my rates going to go up because now i'm going to have to fund this pro program but um in turn it, it it it's a good thing so it they we learned some basic communication skills about communicating early yeah. communicating often yeah um if it's bad news communicate just as hard as if it's good news yeah um if things aren't going well if costs are rising if um they need the parents to be more involved than what was originally expected get out there and communicate that message so that's all the same things that we see when we do community engagement at yeah. the utility level when yeah. there's a big construction project. So it was interesting to see how they're, I don't want to say little, but they're little 
you know, infrastructure project, but um, how that project kind of has the same ribbon of communication needs. And stormwater it. got some love. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. that's one area where we don't talk about that. But I feel I, when I was doing public education uh, for utility, I talked a lot about that because that was one of the areas where people know even less about than just the drinking water piece. Yeah. So. And it's all the same. We always say it's, it's all, all one water. Yep. Water's water is water. So one of the things that I love about these kinds of camps that you do where you bring a bunch of different communicators together is that, you know, we all kind of get in what we're researching or what we're into or what we're reading. So I love that when we kind of come together and collaborate, I always feel like I learned something. So for you, what do you think was something that you heard from either Travis or Mike or Alan or whoever that you were like, Oh, yeah, okay. I think yeah, you hit it the hit the nail on the head. It was the and it's it's also a reinforcement of yeah. things that you hear and you learn because yeah. like you I even doing the 30 ideas in 30 minutes with you a couple of weeks ago at PNCWA um you, you everyone has a certain take on the same basic communication principle and as I just mentioned a minute ago the the communicate early and the communicate often um whether it's good news or bad news Mm -hmm. keep people involved in the whole process and uh, because those that are more informed um, you know can be can you can get garner support that way so I think again pulling up um, it was Kenneth Varner who had said you know when they even when they have the bad news making sure that you let folks know um, because governments utilities get a bad rap and the majority of the time um, I think what happens is folks like to hold on to that information until they have every bit <laughs> researched. And yep. it's okay to say, we're, we're on it, we're looking into it, and we will update you as soon as we have more of that information. Thanks for your feedback. You can call me at any time, um, but we will, and we will also try to communicate to you in the way that you prefer, not yes. that we on the other side yes. feel that you should be communicated to. I'm going to use that as a perfect segue to get into one of our shared favorite topics, which is the lizard brain, the amygdala. Um, the more I learn about that little guy, the more I just, I'm, I'm becoming a bit obsessed with it. So to your point of communicate early and often, even with the bad news, the bad news is when the amygdala can really kick in and cause havoc for communicators. That's what gives um, our leaders what Ariane and Kai bubble guts because now they have to get up in front of it's it's not easy. It's scary to for many people to get up in front of their customers in general, but when you have not good news to share with them, but by not doing it early and often, you're actually making it worse. So um, in terms of communicating issues around that are not good news, what does a lizard brain tie into that? And like, what's a way to kind of combat that? So the bottom line is your your lizard brain, and you'll hear it called a reptile brain, is is always on. It's quick, and it is accessing memories, and it's ex- accessing emotions mm. and experiences. And the bottom line is those are all in your subconscious, yet they run 90% of your brain. So to step back a little bit, your brain makes up about 2% of your body mass. However, it burns 20% of the energy that your body just needs to function on a day-to-day basis but of that 20 percent 90 percent 
is, is energy goes to the subconscious and 10% is for cognitive. And what I mean by cognitive is that's your language. And that part of your brain, that 10% that's cog- quote unquote cognitive, a lot of folks say that's your rational brain. Yeah. And that, uh, that is actually, that's your neocortex and that's actually the newer part of your brain. That brain isn't isn't always on. That side of your brain is lazy, <laughs> and it's all that subconscious and your subconscious needs that rule your world. Yeah. So it's kind of that little bit of that discussion about nature over nurture. Mm. I, I don't see it as nature over nurture. I think they work in tandem. Um, so there was a f- uh, neuromarketer, a neuroscientist back in 93. His name is Antonio DiMaggio, or uh, excuse me, yeah, Antonio DiMaggio, neuroscientist who wrote a uh, book called um, Descartes' Air. And Descartes was a French philosopher who had a famous saying, I think, therefore I am. Yes. And what DiMaggio said is that that's a bunch of bull, you know what, crap. So <laughs> he said that the emotional and the rational brain need to work together. And Antonio um, had said that, you know, we're not thinking machines that feel, we're feeling machines that think. So it's our emotions and our experiences and our memories that rule our world. And that is what your brain prefers. That is what those, those things, those items are what your brain accesses first with any stimuli that comes across its desk, basically. And your brain prefers those three things over a laundry list of value judgments and risk and benefits. Yeah. So in that that reptile brain, that lizard brain is always on. I mean, that is where your gut feelings come from, that rules your emotions, your memories. Mm-hmm. So your hippocampus, that part of your brain is always always ruling your world so that is what comes first so as a neuro as neuromarketers have figured out in the branding world pepsi coke all of that yeah. they tap into those first because it's your memories and emotions that that are the key or at the at the wheel so and to they speak. nail it too um my buddy adam tank with organica water he said this great line at imagine h2o's innovation summit this past year that uh that we actually need to, as an industry, need to start using some of those tactics and skills because we're, even though we're not obviously com- direct competitors, we're comp- we're competing with one of your speakers, Alan Heyman, talked talks about mind share. We're not competing for market share. We're competing for mind share. Exactly. And Adam Tank is like, we have to be using the same the same tactics and skills that Coca-Cola and Pepsi are using so that we can get our messages out there with all these combating messages that are coming out there. Um, And so I love this idea of, I love the word neuromarketing. It just makes it sound like we're, we're, I mean, we are, we are brain scientists. You know, Karen Rauscher with Corona Environmental said that communication may not be rocket science, but it is neuroscience. So um, I love, I loved how in your presentation you broke out there was like three different parts of the brain that you talked about that kind of handled three different things. And then you ended with, um, we kind of, we had to like look at an image and you said, okay, does, is this, what part of the brain is this playing to with, um, the, the visuals? I forgot what that was now. The stimuli. The stimuli. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was the stimuli that you can use to get attention, correct? To get people's attention. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Exactly. And those are, um, those are really interesting. Um, Patrick Renvoy, who, um, they have this thing called the sales brain. And one of the things they talk about there, your, your brain, people marketing and messages, I shouldn't say marketing, but we're, we're bombarded with so many messages and 
a lot of those messages come from utilities like us where we have yeah. we're, we're promoting public health so to speak but we receive so many messages constantly throughout the day and a lot of those messages their goal is to bypass the emotional brain, the reptile brain, and go straight to the rational brain. <laughs> they're text heavy. Yes. They're cognitive. Mm-hmm. They're heavy, heavy, heavy. And our brain has a hard time deciphering that. Um, we Language comes second. Our emotions and our memories come first. So when you need to tap into that reptile brain, you need certain stimuli. And those stimuli are making, are basically your messages are, they have to be personal, contrastable, tangible, emotional, visual, and memorable. And so we looked at images and we looked at words that basically tap into those six stimuli. And again, the there's a really great uh, organization like that Patrick Renvoy, and he's actually had a really good uh, TED talk as well, but they call it the sales brain. Ah. And marketing is not, people, marketing gets a bad rap. Marketing yes. is, is the right product at the right place at the right time to the right audience. Yeah. But it's about providing value. Mm-hmm. It's about solving people's problems. Mm-hmm. And that is really what we need to do. Find those pain points and solve those problems. It's not about taking your message and finding an audience about it's about looking at your audience and, and giving them the right message yeah that solves their problem yeah I, I absolutely agree that marketing because so many people just tie it directly into sales and it's not really about mm-hmm. that and so that's why in terms of kind of my ideology of marketing is Seth Godin's ideology of it so this is marketing I love that book because it's less about how can you to you know how can you find this product this and his is like no how are you going to take what how are you going to add value to the world basically mm-hmm. how are you going to make your little piece better and what's mm-hmm. that going to look like and and i also love his his idea of um we we get caught up in this world of going viral and i want to have a million followers and, and this and that but and i love that he focuses on the smallest viable audience because if you just build that small tribe of um, followers and fans and ambassadors, they can help you amplify that message. Because something that I get from a recommendation from my friend, I'm more likely to listen to than you know something I just see on social media or see on the internet. And that's a definite tactic and tool. Again, going to the point of using your employees as your ambassadors, mm-hmm. I know that that was one of your 30 ideas when we presented together. So, and they need to know all of these things too. And you're hitting the nail on the head with, and of course, Stephanie and I are name dropping, but (laughs) Simon Sinek talks about that too. Um, Also a great um, author and Mm, presenter mm -hmm. um, who his main thing is leadership, but he talking about the limbic brain and the emotional side of the brain, that is also part of this, this reptile brain and Simon Sinek taps into tribes. I mean, we're very tribal. We, we, we have an innate need to belong. We, we want, we, want to be needed we have that urge and that whole tribe mentality comes into um into how you react to certain stimuli i mean that that's the bottom line to everything we're humans first i mean you have to really really you have to really speak to that reptile brain because it's always on we somehow forget what it is that we engage with when we try to engage with other people where you're like i would never look at that but yet that's what i'm going to create to put out there so uh, we forget that we forget that we're started with humans so i want to go to one of i want to kind of talk through one of the examples that you did because i know you talked about contrasting and I think it was the one with the river. Yes. Okay. So sometimes in doing work, when people are, you know, they're always trying to like keep that, keep that marketing budget low and they'll say things like, well, just, you know, repost this or, you know, just find a pick and throw it up. And I think this example right here, and I'll kind of explain it out 
out loud in terms of, of what it what it looks like um, is to me a great example of how powerful imagery is and you can't just take an image and throw it out there you have to like put some thought into it and so the image that she showed was um, it says flow matters and there's a side-by-side picture of uh, the Tualatin River where it's, I mean, there's no water in 1959. And then the Tualatin River today, kind of similar picture, but, you know, it's coming from the perspective of someone sitting in a kayak or canoe. And the there's a si- the side-by-side imagery of it is just so powerful because I don't, I don't need a whole slew of words there to explain to me what how what this means and why we have to do whatever we need to do to make sure that we do have flow and so but you you couldn't just throw up a a stock image of you know just ending with the one on the canoe and say Mm -hmm. flow matters because you haven't shown why right so by having that side by side so and that was an example of contrasting correct exactly okay it's the before and the after and that's what's huge is that um people need to have it the they need to see you know, life with your product, without your product, you have to have that before and after. And, and with contrastable too, you cannot, um, you cannot do, uh, you know, you can't give people 15 reasons why, you know, they should buy your product or listen to your (laughs) message. You have to contrast life without your product and then show what it's like with your product. And and again, that product, you know, is market, a marketing term, but can actually be with your messages as well. So, but you have to limit your claims. You have to limit the risks and benefits and all of that. And they say, you know, limit it to three. You can't have this laundry list of, of what's so great about your message or what you're trying to communicate or your product. Yes. We learned, um, the 27, nine, three rule where to communicate in 27 words or less that can be spoken in nine seconds or less with three ideas, three points or less. Um, because just we're so overwhelmed. I, I, I feel in, in our industry, especially we want to tell them the whole story and I'm like, let's just, let's get them in with like a nice little hook and then, and then kind of build out from there and, and tell the story through that. You don't have to tell them everything at once. Right. Get them to come in and then show them a little bit more. So it's brief is okay. Succinct is okay. Your brain gets tired. And I, I've said this, I just said this to my, my husband a couple of weeks ago. I go, my, my brain hurts. Cause you yeah. know, you're just trying to decipher all this information. You're and when you're writing something, you're, you're, you're looking for words and language and all of that. And your, your, your brain has to just look really hard. I mean, that language part of your brain, that neocortex is the newer part of your brain. Yeah. Your, your reptile brain and your lizard brain, um, you know, it, it prefers, you know, images over words and experiences over explanations. Because mm-hmm. we're born with the ability to, you know, we can see visuals, but you have to learn how to speak. Right. And so, yeah, we have to use those visuals to um, to bring people in. So I liked that you've, I like that game that you did. Oh yeah, the the Stroop test, and anybody can take it on YouTube. Just type in S T R O O P Stroop test, and uh, what it basically does is it puts up um, a color, but a color the actual word, like it'll say red, but the color will actually be blue. And your trick is, as these words come up, is to identify the color, not the word. And it's hard. It's hard, especially like you get to round five, I think, and it's right. going super fast. Right. And you want to read the word instead of the color, and yeah. your brain is just like. 
trying to work really hard with both of those. But you had a, you had a great volunteer, so she was really I good too. Did she was, and she was actually really engaged the rest of the day. And I actually apologized to her because I picked on her, but she said, "No, I love this kind of stuff." So we were very appreciative. Nice. Well, um, I know you and I could kind of we could talk for days about all of this exactly. stuff. We both we both nerd out about this, and I feel like this is probably not going to be the last time that uh, that we chat because I know that. You have a lot more to say about the lizard brain. I do too, but um, I think I think we'll just tease them with what we've got so far. But I wanted to go into our lightning round real quick with you before we end. So I know I don't want to put you on the spot, and if you welcome to take time to think about it, but what is a book right now that you can recommend to everyone to read? I am reading Infinite Possibilities by Mike Dooley. It's all about the <laughs> law of attraction and manifestation. Thoughts become things. Mm, and it yes. is exactly what we just talked about. Yes. That whatever hits in your brain first, then you, you you think about it and like attracts like. And that's kind of what comes through. And it's re- so related to the reptile brain because mm. that's those thoughts kind of rule your world. So Yes. Uh, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich that in some of my readings was recommended and it took me a long time to be to get that book because I thought it was going to be a financial book and it really wasn't it was exactly what you're talking about it was about bringing things putting things out there in the universe and give it and watching them become tangible by bringing taking words and putting them into action Mm -hmm. so I really actually enjoyed that book um what is something you do every day uh, to help with your productivity? I, I aspire, I'm going to say this, Ooh. aspire to do this every day. And that's kind of just started hey, the last couple of weeks. I know, t- take a deep breath and, and uh, stop. The, one of the things I did at the, our 30 ideas that we did at the end of our session was um, Winston Churchill has great quotes, as we know. And yes. he, you know, he was uh, in a war, he led a war, and he, uh, he wrote an essay called Painting as a Pastime. And he painted because taking that break and using a different part of your brain and, and, and just uh, having a different outlook on things can, is, it works wonders. And that is one thing that I really try to do is even just walking out of my office and even trying to work from somewhere else. Yes. Change your routine. It's a good thing. Change is good. 100%. I agree. Um, okay. So this is the last question. We ask everybody this question that's on. Uh, so Arianne and I were in the business of behavior change and, you know, sometimes you hear people say, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. I'm not going to make a difference, which we obviously wholeheartedly disagree with because we feel that change can be contagious. And so you never know what you're going to inspire in someone else by what you do. So what is your one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Um, this seems pretty simple, but it's being human. Uh, <laughs> I say this all the time, is, is, and this goes for uh, leadership development and um, working for an organization that, that you believe in the work. So I feel that if you, if you have meaningful work, I feel that, um, I feel, and I feel that passions change. You always hear that thing that says uh, follow your passion and the money will follow I have come to believe more and more that passions change so follow your passion right now but be human in doing that so um, realize that you have limitations that your brain needs a break realize that your coworkers have lives we all and I I have a life too outside of work and realizing it's okay to um, 
to, to, to do each little by little. Mm-hmm. You should also be fitting work into your life, not life into your work. So I, w- I would hope that the leaders of my organization see that too. So I'm trying to adapt that through my own staff and hopefully our workplace, which it does, yeah. um, can adapt that as well. And giving yourself that space also helps you professionally better anyways, because your brain needs that. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the past two years is just the incredible value and importance of white space in my brain. I just need... And it works in communications too, right? It does. It visuals. We can talk about that next time. Um, So when people... When people compliment Arianne and I on on what we're doing, it's it's so humbling. But you know, there's people that have been in the game so much longer than we have, like people like yourself. And so, um, uh, I'm super excited that we've gotten to work together in the way that we have. And you know, during the opening general session at WEF, they they used one of my favorite quotes by Sir Isaac Newton that said. If I can see farther, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And that's definitely how Arianne and I feel every single day is standing on the shoulders of folks like you that have been in this game preaching this, singing this song for a long time. So we're just, we're so honored to get to share the stage with you in whatever way. So thank you for taking the time out to to talk with us today. Thank you. And until the next communications camp. Until the next one. (laughs) All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.